Well, good morning. How about that for an abrupt start? Boom. No messing around today. We got stuff to do. Welcome to the uh, live stream. I am, uh, unfortunately, I can handle comments and stuff, but the whole at thing isn't working. I'm using StreamYard. Yes, it's streaming at a awesome 720p. Mm. Anyway, today, I thought if anyone's interested, we could have a little conversation about doing online stuff and courses and offerings and junk like that. And my buddy, um, who I met, Dr. Mike Layton, to you. I get to call him Mike. Joking. We have polar opposites. He has a school. I have a school. He does project management stuff. He's like been doing it forever. He's a great guy. It's lots of advice, and I'm totally the opposite. Let's get Mike in here. Dr. Clayton. Hello, sir. Hello. Good afternoon. You? Good morning. I'm very well indeed, sir. And you? I'm good. We're going to go over courses and offerings. You know, you may have a YouTube channel. You may have a business. You may have whatever. Maybe you learn something. Maybe you don't. Mike and I are going to talk about should you or shouldn't you? Like, how do you decide if you're going to run a course or an offering or if it's right for you? What does it take? We're going to go over some of the process and time and discipline and long game. We're going to check out what makes a good course. Like what about content and presentation style and user experience and how to serve your students? And the ultimate question, do you need a lot of gear? Most people here know what the answer to that's going to end up being. Hosting, marketing, and selling. We're going to go over platforms, YouTube affiliate, and some other stuff. And then questions and answers. Of course, I'll try and answer them as we go along or between our blah, 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 blah. And hopefully we can keep this to an hour and everybody who comes here all the time just laughed out loud. All right. Which coffee are we having this morning? Hey, for me, it's Kaladi Coffee. Uh, let's start with number one. Um, should you or shouldn't you? Now, when I say online courses and offerings, that's a lot of things. That could be a course like I do at the university or courses like Mike does. That could be maybe you're selling some digital asset like LUTs or things like that. Maybe you're selling books. Maybe you're offering something. Uh, maybe you're doing merch on your channel, which you can do. You know, branded t-shirts and stuff, they call it merch. Should you or shouldn't you? I'll let Mike go first. What do you think, Mike? Definitely. You should. No, no me too. <laughs> That's the next <it>. question is. <laughs> okay. Um, I think it's, everyone's going to have to make their own, own uh, answer for themselves. And it comes down, I think, to what do you want? What are you doing? Make, what is your YouTube fan channel for? And how do you, how do you see yourself going forward and i think the answer is that if you want to make more money from your youtube channel than simply adverts and maybe affiliates then you have to have something to sell and that gives you the most sustainable maybe not controllable source of income but the source of income where you are the most in control being able to control something mean doesn't necessarily means you can drive the outcomes you can't necessarily make the sales happen but you can you can run it on your own terms uh, so if you've got a, an idea for a business then setting up some form of online product to sell is the easiest way to to build a business these days and as kevin says there are loads of different ways of doing it and the thought process has to be about comparing the time commitment against the potential upside because the barriers to entry in terms of cost 
pretty small. I'm not saying it costs nothing, but you know, we'll we'll talk about what it what to build it, but the minimum amount of technology and the minimum amount of services you need to buy is pretty small and therefore most of it is going to be through most of your commitment is going to be time. Yeah, agree. It's it's a time commitment as you know. The idea that not always true, but the idea that you're going to throw some merch merchandise up on your YouTube channel and people are going to buy it. We'll get into this later, but it's really is a, if you build it, they will come and you put in a little bit, maybe you throw up some offering and a bunch of people are get it. I think in most cases of folly, um, it does take work. It does take a commitment. It should be something you're jazzed about. We have a good question here from Walter. Can anyone create a course or do you have to have a high value skill? I mean, I talk about this to the YouTube Academy's course students and online all the time. You know something other people don't. I guarantee you know something other people don't. And I guarantee there's 100 people or 1,000 people, more likely 10,000 people, more likely 100,000 people that don't know what you know. And I think many take it for granted that everybody knows. Well, everybody doesn't know. If they did, my channel would disappear tomorrow. Um, same with Mike. He does both high-end and low-end courses on project management. And he covers some higher end stuff, but he covers some lower end stuff too. Yeah. Everybody does not know how to manage time. Yeah. Everybody does not know how to set up their tripod. So in my opinion, Walter, and I'll let Mike answer this for himself, don't take for granted what you know, because there's a ton of people at any age level that don't know. And if you're going to make an offering, you just need to attract or find those people or get them to find you. And people will pay you money for that. What do you think, Mike? Yeah, um, I, I would say absolutely you need a high value skill. But the the weasel word there is or the weasel words are high value. Your perception, it, what matters is the perception of the potential buyer of the value. So if the potential buyer of your course perceives what you're offering as high value to them and the price you're charging to be reasonable in the context of that value, then you will sell courses as you find people who need them. Uh, but Kevin's exactly right. What constitutes high value to one person may be very different to what constitutes high value to another. In Kevin's YouTube course, he talks about you know offering 10x value. If you've got someone who wants to get started on a journey, then to them, the highest value is to know the three or four most important things that they can do that are simple and they want to know how to do them with confidence. To you, 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 you may have almost forgotten that. You may have to go back from that level of unconscious competence where you do it without thinking and figure out how did you learn in the first stage? And, and if you didn't learn in the best way, what would be the new best way to teach it? That can be of huge value. It, it really is about asking not what, the, what your perception of that value is, but what the potential buyer's perception of that value is. And if you can then charge a price that is significantly below the value to them, then they will snap it up. All you then have to do is find those people and convince them that you are the right person to buy from. Air exclamation mark. <laughs> oh, that's sweet. I love it. I offer a course, I think it's 9 or $12 on monitors. What for? Um, it's way too low priced and it's hopefully to introduce people to me and my courses. You're going to go out and spend 100 or 200 or 500 or $1,000 on a monitor. And it goes through and says, what's a good monitor look like? What should you look for? What's the minimum you should find in a monitor? So you're paying $12 to get knowledge that you may not have 
on everything to look into a monitor before you go spend the hundreds of dollars, I think it's worth it. Um, a hundred and I don't know what I've reduced this course for. I've been told I should charge $16 million for it, whatever, blah, blah. For the new YouTube Academy course, I think it's reduced to 190 something dollars. People are like, what? That's too much. Then the mm. course isn't for you. Most everybody, without exception, has upped their game and has gone in knowing what to do and what not to do. They did the work. They applied themselves to it. And I think that's for any course to the point, which is like RVing for newbies. If I went, hey, I'm going to go and take my wife on an RV trip. I know nothing about this. Like, I'm not even sure how you drive these things. I could either go watch a bazillion YouTube channels, which can get really old. Or if I had a course from someone like RVing for newbies, I don't even know. I'm not even going to tell you what the price is at. hundred bucks, 50 bucks, whatever. That showed me you're going to go take a trip. You're renting a RV for the first time. Here's the things you need to do. Here's the licenses or whatever you have to have. Here's how you hook them up. This is what I have to watch for. I was going to take a trip. I would absolutely spend 50 or 100 bucks. So I was knowledgeable before I took this giant toaster on wheels <laughs> out. Point is, back to Walters, you got something you don't know. I may want to know it. And if I do, I'm going to pay for it. Question. Can we have a couple examples of the low-end ones and the usual cost of this for customer? I'll start with my, and I'll give myself 30 seconds, which means it'll be a minute. And you're going to hate this. It depends. For instance, I offer the YouTube course. Okay, fine. If you want to go watch a billion videos and get a bunch of advices and go down the path and make all the mistakes, fine. If you want to bypass all that, fine. Think about it. People will go to university. I'm not dinging universities and learn the basics of business, more or less, spend two years doing it, and spend tens of thousands of dollars. The perceived value is, I'm going to get a lot back. So an answer to this depends on your audience, depends whether you want to make some money from a small segment of people who are willing to exchange with you for that money help a lot of people. I've seen people get up and I've taken these courses. I've seen these courses. Learn how to be an Amazon affiliate. Price, 30, 3900 bucks. What? Some people are really into it and they realize the value. They may spend 3900 bucks, but if they really apply themselves discipline, they could make much more than that back. Yeah. So in terms of low end, I mean, the, when I created my basic project management courses, I created three sizes, small, medium and large, and they were all video courses. But in order to get people into it, uh, to give them some idea of who I was early on, I had an alternative for them, which was a free product, which was, in my case, a glossary of project management terms. So you can imagine virtually anything that you're doing, there will be terms that you will understand because you've been doing it for a long time, but your audience won't. It's very easy to come up with a dictionary, which for project management, I mean, there's over 200 words that is in mine and it's, it's by no means complete. And, and there's a little introduction to the basics, about maybe a thousand word introduction and then a dictionary. And that's free. And then when people buy that, and I then offer them an email course, which is priced at $27. You know, if they buy it straight away, I discount it down to $7. The idea being that that just gets them into the buying habit. And then at the end of that 
email course, which is a series of 10 emails that comes one, come once a week. And then quite simply, I then make them an offer for one of the bigger courses with a discount. So you can do all sorts of things. I, I've also got, for example, a bundle of a load of my YouTube videos with some description, but organized and offered without adverts. So having made all the YouTube videos, I've got an instructional set and bundled that up and made that a, a low price and put in a load of other products that I've created that are, are small. So you can kind of build it up. And it really doesn't take much to come up with something introductory. And it's the sort of thing where if you sit down with a few friends, you can usually brainstorm what, what would be the questions you want answered. And then you have to think, how could I answer that succinctly in a way that's useful, but leaves so much more unsaid so that there's then the incentive. And that what then happens is people buy that because there's a low barrier to entry. It's, it's low cost. They like it. They enjoy it. They tr come to trust you. And that's what YouTube for me is for. It's it's to get people to trust me because they get my free stuff on YouTube. They get a sense of my personality. They get a sense of my style of talking about project management. And therefore, they think, actually, I'd like to learn project management from this guy. I want more than just a, a different video every week. I want a structured course. And I like the way he explains it. So I'll go to it. So it's, it's largely around thinking about how you can get a little package that is of value. And usually the easiest way to do that is the lowest slice of knowledge, but the other way you can do it is a discrete corner of knowledge. Just cut a little bit out of the circle of knowledge that tackles one particular thing. So I think Kevin used the idea of RVing. I'm not an RVer. We don't do that in the UK very much. People have caravans here. But, you know, you could say uh, connect, you know, a, a little kind of mini course three videos or so on how to connect your RV up to the mains, the water and the gas. And that's it. It's, it's, a, it's a tiny bit of, it, of the whole knowledge, but it would show the user something useful and prove to them that you know what you're talking about. I started my university to give longer form content. And I started with a bunch of free stuff just to put it up there and never even thought of like monetizing it. And what I found was I got a lot of people over there that didn't give a crap and it was a lot of high maintenance and I was paying a lot of money at the time for me hmm. to manage the people, to manage the questions, to manage. It was kind of like having the volume of viewers and people hundred over 125K now and all the comments and everything else and managing that and never monetizing it. it cost me some money to keep the lights on. Mm -hmm. I have a lot of light. <laughs> so I started with the free offerings and it was funny because the YouTube Pros Academy, specifically one person, like told me, you need to stop doing that. And she was right. I kept offering these free offerings. I was getting nothing in exchange. More importantly, the people, a very large percentage of the people were who signed up were very high maintenance and would never buy anything for me. It was a bit eye-opening for me, and I know a lot of companies go through this, which is I highly suggest you offer small free offerings. People warm up to you, they see how you do, you get engagement, and then you offer higher priced things. For me, it's about helping people and being able, let me put it this way, you're doing people a disservice if you don't let them pay for your stuff because you're going to get a bunch of people who will not appreciate it. I could set up a course. I'm not dissing filmmaking school. Some people need that. I could set up a course where in a month I could teach you everything that you're taught in filmmaking school and do it for free. And I guarantee you people wouldn't appreciate it. But when someone goes and spends $20,000 for filmmaking school, they're vested in it. So that was my thing. Anyway, we should move on to what does it take to build and run a course? Let me run through these comments real quick. 
Is it better to send the whole course at once or divide in chapters? Is it a sweet spot in the length of the low end courses? One of the things the question asks is whether to send the whole course at once. And there are two different ways of, of creating a course. There's the, if you like, the all-in-one all where I buy the course and I is, get access to everything. About, is he talking about dripping? Yes, I was going to ah. say. In fact, I was going to say jargon. So the jargon for the alternative is a drip course. And a drip course is one where you feed the uh, your students the information a bit at a time. And this, I suppose, two reasons why you might do this. One is because you're actually creating the course and much selling it in real time. And a lot of course creators do this. They say, I'll create the course and you can sign up and you will get a new module every month or every week as I create it. And that allows them to sell something they haven't created and therefore monetize before they invest their time. Typically, when you do that style of course, the user will expect a fair degree of interaction from you. And often there's a promise that you will adapt the design of the course from what you learn from the students. The other reason for doing it is because you believe that the students will best learn by having the information a bit at a time rather than the overwhelm. I only do that in one course and it's my email course. And in fact, when people sign up for my email course, it's 10 emails. The first introductory kind of pre-email says, do you want this daily or weekly? Because some people are in a hurry. They've, they're hungry. They, they they need the information and they want it now and they, and they like to learn in big chunks. And what in fact I do with my drip email course is I, I also give them access to all the information straight away. But the then getting the emails weekly or monthly is a way of giving them a way to digest it. It's a given way to kind of feed slowly and ruminate on the information. Slightly mixing my metaphors there. I think it is a good question to ask, but the, the answer is dictated largely by how you want to educate people. I would typically say that most people will want to be have access to everything at one point. And, and Kevin's right. If you, if you build a huge course, as I say, my small, medium and large, my large course has has you know well well north of a hundred lectures, but it's divided into sections. And one of the introductory modules says how to take this course, and it basically says if you want to do this over three weeks, here's the suggested stuff for weekly viewing, and and if you want to do it over four weeks, over five weeks, over six weeks. So as an educator, you have to think about your audience and how they might want to consume it, and if you think they're going to need guidance because the course is big, it's sophisticated, then give them that guidance, but absolute cardinal rule is whatever you're going to do in the course, when you market it and advertise it, you've got to be straight up. There's no point in telling people, oh, there's this fantastic course, you get everything you need. And then they sign up and they have to wait a week for part two. Uh, if they weren't expecting it, they're going to be dissatisfied. So always be upfront. Totally. We're kind of jumping around, but that's okay. Let's back up a little bit. I do not care who you are. You have something somebody doesn't know on planet earth. A lot of people. For instance, how do I take what I know, make it assimilatable so someone can start and at the end they know something that you were offering that they didn't know before. Period. You got to play the long game. It's going to take your biggest investment is time and it's going to take a lot of discipline. If you're one of those, well, you know, I made a course and nobody came to it. This is not discipline or playing yeah. a long game. Yeah. Before, before I give my report, can I answer, because we've got that question on screen at the moment, are being for newbies, and uh, it's a good question. Uh, teaser type course, say 10 sections, first two sections are free, then subscription for the last day. Is this a feasible concept? Everything's a feasible concept. The question you have to ask is, how easy is it to execute? And what is the clutch if you can't do it easily? 
And the kind of platforms that are designed for delivering courses and make it easy for you to deliver courses, as far as I know, that particular model isn't straightforward. However, that's not to say you can't find a kludge. Uh, you know, there's Facebook groups where people ask these questions about the platform they're on and someone will come on. Usually it's someone like me who go, well, I, yeah, this is how I would do it. I'm not sure I'm saying it's neat and elegant, but it, it could be made to work. So the answer to RVing for newbies is yes, it is feasible. It's a slightly unusual model, but there's, there's lots of ways you could make that go. If you thought commercially and educationally that was right for you, the easiest thing to do is to say, have a teaser type course with two sections that you give away for free, but people sign up for it. And then at the end of that course, you say, and if you want the, if you want eight more sections of real goodness, then, you know, here's your one time discount. Buy it now and you can get it. Thank you for joining up. And for people who want it all in one, you can have a kind of 10 section buy it all in one go option as well. There's lots of ways of doing it. And test it. It's like making YouTube videos. Take anybody, I don't care who it is, you go look at their first YouTube videos as they progress through time and they're going to relatively suck from the first ones. Same thing with a course. Why waste your time? And I know some people out there, some I'm communicating with right now, and they are just think bleeping their course to death and it's shoot and the quality and the camera and maybe if and this and that they haven't even done their first offering shoot absolutely something anything throw it out there to people call it a mini course here's yeah. a mini course on the 10 tips and trick you need to know before going out on the road and i promise you you're going to want to put 65 different things in there don't 10 things be done throw it out there give it time like on my YouTube channel, I started promoting the university years ago. You know, like you tell a kid, clean your room, clean your room, clean your room, clean your room, clean your room. It took forever for people to go, oh, you got a university where you do stuff? It's not that they're stupid. It's just that they don't recognize it. And I had to start saying it. Hey, I got stuff over here. So create a mini course, test it, let it roll. And don't invest all your time in some big, giant, massive, high-priced, course that nobody knows about i've done it every single person who's created stuff to my knowledge has done it where they just create this giant mammoth thing spend mm. a six months or a year doing it like the people i find out have been writing their scripts for the last two years instead of throwing it out there testing mm. are people interested and then proceeding or doing something else Blah, 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 blah. We should move into the next part. Yeah. I just want to say that the general rule is keep it simple. And that applies to the content of the course, to the structure of the course, and to how you market it uh, and how you take it to market. I mean, when you start getting into this, you'll, you'll start reading about all these different pieces of advice from thousands of different experts, some of whom will try to charge you a lot for their courses. But the reality is, if you keep it simple and work on one simple assumption, if you deliver a high quality course uh, that is well targeted on people who need it and you sell it for a price that is reasonable, then you will be able to make sales. And all manner of clever marketing funnels and all this won't make a hell of a lot of difference. Those are particularly good if you're trying to suck people into something that doesn't have the value that it represents. I'm going to take a crack at what does it take to build and run a course. We're going to go back to some of these questions because there's good yeah. questions in here. I had all the same questions. What does it take to build and run a course? Outline process, investment, time, dollars, expertise, discipline, long game. Let me just keep this one short because we're at 39 minutes. The process is, this is my audience. I want to teach basics. I want someone to come in like the new color course or the YouTube course, take the course, get to the end and go, 
I learn something, hopefully they apply it, and it is somehow upped whatever game for them better. It will cost you money. It doesn't have to. I spend, just for the hosting site, around $1,000 a year. Whoa, that's terrible. Okay, you're never going to get off the ground if you don't spend a little bit of money to get going. I want to start a course. Well, uh, I have to buy a camera. Yeah. <laughs> or use what? your phone. I have to have a website. Yeah. So I would suggest if you're going to start a course or an offering, don't sit down and figure out how much it's going to cost you. Just start making videos, find some free whatever. As far as expertise, you know something other people don't know. Figure out how to communicate that to them. As far as discipline, you need to discipline yourself. I'm talking to myself. And as far as the long game, it's a long game. Period. Yeah. The end. Like YouTube, like any business. I mean, for me, the outline process, we'll talk about the different platforms and the different technology you can use. There, there are some minimum requirements, but uh, you're always going to be balancing ease for you and flexibility and price. There's those kind of three corners of the triangle. Uh, if you want the ultimate flexible thing, then you're going to have to work hard at it. If you want the easy to use thing, then you're going to have to pay for it. If you want the cheap thing, then you're going to have to do a lot of work to make that happen for yourself. Um, but it's all learnable. It is absolutely all learnable. So the process, yeah, you've got to think about what you're going to deliver. You've, if we're talking about a video-based course, you've got to make you've got to make some videos. That takes a bit of discipline. If you've got a substantial chunks of time, then you can get it done quite quickly. If you haven't, just plan it out. If you can only dedicate a couple of hours a night for two or three evenings a week, that's fine. It's going to take you a while to build it, but you build it. But you do also have to mentally budget some time for marketing it, for creating some infrastructure around it to, to promote it. And also, if you are successful, you will get students. And if you get students, do not underestimate the fact that you have made a commitment to educate them. Mm -hmm. And it's very easy to think of this as passive income. It is not. You have to keep working. There are a lot of people telling you, oh, you can, you can have financial freedom you create a course and it sells automatically and then and you sit margaritas the on the beach for the rest of your absolutely. life absolutely and if you, you fail if you care about your students then you've got to answer their questions and mm -hmm. the reality is that people who aren't your students who haven't paid for anything who haven't even signed up for a, a free course will come to you i mean i got one it was the middle of the night at two three o'clock in the morning my time, someone sent a question which was quite evidently uh, an, a, a test exam question or a, or a homework question on project management. And I, as a principal, I don't do those, answer oh, those questions I for people. And, and, and then five minutes after I didn't answer it, and bear in mind, I'd been asleep for about four hours at this time. She sent another email saying, you haven't answered my email. And there were three more by the morning. I, I, just ignored it for a while while I called off. But, but but there are people who will quite reasonably expect you to answer quite reasonable questions. And Kevin and I are both alike in the sense that we we engage with these people because they ask respectfully. Their, their questions are, let's say, the right sort of questions. They genuinely want to know the answer. They're not just looking for a shortcut to uh, exam success or whatever. Uh, and and we engage with them. And you need to allow that time too. And, and you need to maintain your course in whatever that means. So there is a, it, as Kevin says, it's a long game. And if you expect that you can build a course and suddenly get rich, then you've you've drunk the Kool-Aid of the people who advertise on YouTube and you're a fool. You want to... <laughs> <laughs> you're a fool! <laughs>
if you think that actually there is, I, I would like to supplement my income and this is a way that is possibly for me and I'm prepared to put the work in, I'm prepared to learn the stuff I don't know to do it and I'm prepared to take my time and I know I recognise it could take two, three, four, five, six, seven years before I start making some good money, then it's a very sensible thing to do. And, and, it, and all it takes to build and run a course, frankly, is persistence. Yep, absolutely. Persistence. I mean, it's the same with YouTube. It's the same with anything. Mm. And if you're, as Mike says, drinking the Kool-Aid, as Mike says, like he made that up. Um, Kool-Aid. Drinking the Kool-Aid. <laughs> <Yeah>. Branded mug. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> By <Mine's>, the courses. <laughs> he's right. I'm, I'm not saying I had this in my brain before I started. I had to learn this. If you're going to start a YouTube channel, mm. are you going to start a business? Are you going to start offering sewing or knitting or lessons or live things or whatever it is? You think you're just going to do that and not work at it? My suggestion is don't start because you're in for a huge disappointment. Tooting my own horn, most everybody here knows I love to help people. That's why I do YouTube. That's why I do the university. Just so happens, <laughs> duh, some people don't connect these dots. Most here do. You need money to pay for things. And so I'm fortunate that I have people who support me and are willing to do that so I can do what I love and help other people. That's number one. That being said, you know, we live in a society where everything's quick. Email's quick and this is quick and products look like they're released quickly and uh, communications are quick and everything's at super light fast speed. The one thing that people need to step away from the cliff from and realize is if you're going to start any venture, I'm going to be more recognized on social media. I'm going to start a course. I'm going to offer training. I'm going to offer lessons. I'm going to offer Zoom sessions. I'm going to do yoga stuff. I'm going to teach people how to play guitar. I don't care what it is. Step back and say, I'm in it for the long game. I'm willing to just keep doing it despite everything that's going to get thrown at me. I'm willing to work and this is fun. Go for it. If you're the anti that, then don't do that. <laughs> <laughs> hey, what makes a good course, Mike? Basically, a good course is one where people will learn from. And to me, there are we learn when we have what I call a moment of insight. And there are two fundamental insights. We either realize that something we've been told connects to something we already know or two things we're being told connect to one another and we start to see a pattern. So that's one type of insight. It's that kind of pattern forming relationship insight, which tells us that, okay, I understand that. I know that. Ah, this thing I didn't know. Now I see how it kind of fits with it. The other kind of insight that we get is a distinction insight where we thought two things were the same and then we suddenly realized they're different. So, you know, in the world of photography, you know, I just, maybe I just thought, you know, exposure was one big thing, but now I've understood that when I look, what I see on the screen is a connection, a collection of things about the way the highlights are handled, the way the shadows are handled, the way the midtones are handled, the, the white balance and all of that. And I start to see those as different things. My moment of distinction insight in photography years ago was, and actually it was, I'd kind of known about ISO and I'd known about shutter speed and I'd known about aperture yeah. but actually it was Dave Dugdale uh, who explained it as a triangle and I'm sure that it's not original to him but because in project management we talk about the triangle of balance between time cost and quality or time cost and scope if you're an American project manager and so I had this kind of moment of relationship between the triangle of you know, light and the triangle of balance in project management and I started to see how those three things interacted and that so 
a good course is one which helps people to understand distinctions and understand connections. How you do that is a matter of what you're trying to teach and your own personal style. So a good way to do it is to get people to practice something so they really understand it and they really start to make physical connections between their fingers and the thing. And Kevin often talks about drilling using your camera, drilling all of those stuff. And that's about making all those connections and making it seem automatic. For me, it's about finding ways to explain things and using diagrams. You know, we all learn in many different ways. We learn by practicing, we learn by seeing, by looking at data, by listening to things, by reading things. You can build a course that takes a subset of those things, but if it works for your for a subset of potential learners, you will find the learners for whom it works. And as long as you you've it's authentic to you and it helps people make those connections and it helps people draw those distinctions and they start to understand things, that creates a good course. And, and that's about content, it's about style, it's about how people experience doing the course and dealing with you as an individual. And, and it's about, you know, serving your students, really. What makes a good teacher? What makes a good educator? What makes a good elementary school teacher? What makes a good anybody who's training anything? This is my opinion. I consider it a fact. If someone can come to you and you can make it without insulting their intelligence, you can make it so they understand what you're teaching them. They can apply or do. This is way missed. That's a whole nother rant I won't go into. They can apply or do the thing you're teaching them. Then it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if you shoot it on your screen and it's just a bunch of slides and you're blah, blah, blowing. Doesn't matter if you shoot with an iPhone. Doesn't matter if you got $50,000 worth of gear and epic equipment. Doesn't matter whether it's you're using some free thing that offers your students these courses or whether you're spending, I'm making this up, $10,000 a month at some fancy schmancy school thing. You need to make something and you'll make it again and again that serves the people that are coming. They're giving you money in exchange for something. If you can teach some of those people something that they now know and are able to apply it somehow to their life and it works, everything else is mechanical crap. How do I create it? Am I good on camera or not? Should I present? And as Mike said, if you can do that, then you just serve people. You make friends with them, you serve them. They are not there to pay you money to support you. You are there to give them a 2x or 5x or 10x value and serve them. You work for those people. Yeah. Hey, you want to talk about hosting, marketing, and selling? Let's talk about platforms, Mike. <laughs> platforms. Let's go rant about yeah. platforms. It's really, it's a, it's a real shame because you and I both use the same platform. So A, we can't argue about which is the best. And B, we can't speak from real deep experience about any of the others. But here is my single point of view. The I grass is always greener on the other side of the fence, which it's like, you know, I've gone, I've got a Canon camera, but now Kevin's bought a Sony. So he, so Sony's probably, he, he can do things with his Sony that I can't do with my Canon. So it's better. So I, it's nonsense. You know, I, when I, when I signed up, I spent a while evaluating the platform that I'm on and I decided that I would only ever consider changing platform if I was convinced that there would be a substantial change in my income 
as a as a result of changing it. Because yes, the different platforms that you can use, and I'll, I'll talk about them in a minute. They they will kind of leapfrog each other with functions and services, and the prices will shift. But settle on something that's right for you. When you're evaluating things, you know, ask yourself what are the key things I must have. Find the platforms that have that. Ask yourself what are the key things I'd like to have and then see which platforms of those limited few might have some of those. And if you can find some of those, then start to test drive them and compare them. And then if everything else is equal, then look at price and other factors. But the gross thing is, do you go for a platform that makes it easy for you because it is designed for delivering courses to students and it automates lots of things like collection of money and all the things that you would have to do? And and for me, that is the ideal. I'm prepared to pay a little more for someone to maintain that platform and keep it working because we're talking about commerce. Um, and you know, I know some American course makers ignore European VAT. I'm I'm in Europe. If I ignore European VAT, well, the tax office used to be in the UK, the customs and excise, and they used to have the power and probably still do to come knocking on your door at any time of day or night and expect to come in. So I'm quite happy for my platform to manage tax and to manage all that stuff. But you can build a platform. You can go very simple. You can sell a course on something like Gumroad, where on a free plan, they make their money by taking a certain percentage of the money that's paid to you. You can just have a very, very simple process for selling it, and it can cost you virtually nothing to to make a sale. You can build a website, and you can have plugins and tools on the website that manage the course, a learning management system. You can have other plugins that manage the membership. You can have other plugins that manage the commerce. Yes, that can be cheaper because you don't have the recurring fees, but then you've got to build the thing and you've got to maintain it. And if it goes down, it's your problem. And you've got to get up in the middle of the night and get your users back online. So the platform that I went for is Teachable, but it has lots of competitors like Thinkific and Usenler and Kajabi and all of these. But I am sure that all of those each have something that Teachable doesn't or do something better than Teachable. At the moment, I think if I move platform, it would be a whole load of work and I might get a slightly nicer experience. Maybe not, but I don't think I would substantially affect my income. And so I'm not going to bother with that. So that's my perspective on platforms. Hey, what time is it? I want to make sure when I go on this rant, I'm going to give myself about two minutes. Put a timer up. Put a timer. Yeah, I wish I could on here. Do you want me to set a timer on my phone with a, an alarm? <laughs> no. That's what I'm going to do. I'm going to do it. Two minutes. No. Oh, make it five and then I can finish in three and we can, it can be epic. Uh, Let me just I'll make say it this. five and you can finish in five and this, uh, we'll, okay. we'll be amazed. Here's a short commercial for knock it the bleep off. How about that? <laughs> Mac versus Windows. Stop <laughs> it. iPhone versus Android. Stop it. Premiere Pro versus Vegas versus DaVinci. Stop it. The Sure SM7B versus the Rode. Stop it. The Sony A7S3 versus the Canon C70. Stop it. Stop it! (laughs) (laughs) It's a game that people like to play. This is a rant because it makes me crazy because I'm trying to help people get better at what they do. And they're like, oh, well, Joe told me I should switch from Premiere Pro to DaVinci Resolve. And over on DaVinci, it's like, oh, Premiere Pro, and it crashes, and it pisses me off, and it's terrible. And the same thing over there. To wit, teachable. And remember... All the people bitching and complaining 
or a small percentage that you see because they're bitching and complaining, the other 98% of the people, they're not bitching and complaining because what they're using is working. Teachable. You should not. And they suck. And you should use Kajabi. And over on Kajabi, it's like, ah, I was using Kajabi and I clicked on something and it doesn't work. And ah, So you should use something else. Oh, you should use Udemy or Skillshare. It's the same BS. When you start a course or online marketing or whatever, people are going to tell you to get a Wix site. People are going to tell you to get a, what is this famous? Squarespace. Squarespace. Now, what's the one where WordPress, WordPress. You shouldn't use this. You shouldn't use Teachable or these other sites because it takes a month or two for them to pay you. You should where you could tie into something like where you get paid immediately. And there's all this crap, blah, 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 blah. Go out and find out either what you already have and use that. Go out and find something that works for you and do the research like I did for six freaking months. Decide on something and shut down all the doors, the windows, and everything else that says, what you're using sucks, you should use this. Did I make it? Five minutes? Oh, well, you're well under. Uh, what is it? Yeah. Look at that. You've still got another one and a half minutes to go. Um, no, that's, I mean, that's absolutely spot on. I mean, th there are some things that people say that just get on my nerves. And one of them is, oh, the, you know, you have to wait a month for your money. It's like, if you're earning, let's say, $1,000 a month, then once you get past that first month of getting it, it doesn't matter whether you wait a month for it because you're still getting $1,000, whether it's last month's $1,000. or this. It, there are, There's a lot of nonsense. Yeah, you know, from Teachable, Kajabi, and all these, you can tie into something called Stripe. And yeah. all these people jumped over, oh, I can get my money right now. Somebody pays, guess what? If someone refunds, you have to handle it. If you have affiliates, you have to pay them. Oh, and you have to do all the math. And oh, you have to do all the W-2s or the payment or the tax crap. Oh, and in Michael's case, uh, and in my case, if somebody buys something over in... Europe land. Europe, and they need to be charged fat, it does. Yeah. Here's, here's what I do. I post courses, I script them out, I put the videos up, and I do all that. Now, here's what I do for accounting, taxes, reporting, charging people tax in the U.S., which is becoming more and more and in other countries, refunds, all that. Here's what I do for that. Oh, someone bought a course. That's it. Yeah. And at the end of the year, oh, thanks for the, I don't know what they call it now, the W-9, and I report that on my taxes. Yeah. That alone, I just hired someone to handle all my accounting and BS, and it's secure, and I don't have to worry about security, and I don't have to, somebody wants to refund, I go like this. Blank. Yep. So I hired someone at $1,000 a year to do all that work. Don't tell Teachable I'd pay him twice that much. Yeah. And and you're, you're not only are you getting that, because I exactly the same. All I do with my, in terms of accounting for my affiliates, accounting for my tax, accounting for the income, accounting, uh, dealing with the money, all I do is two things. One is I transfer money out of PayPal into my bank account once a month. And the other thing is I put that number into my into zero, which is my accounting package. That's two things. And and it's the same with affiliates. You know, someone sells my course, one of my courses for me. I never see the money that I owe them. Teachable sends it straight to them. So I don't have to account for that. I don't have to worry every time the platform needs updating or upgrading. I don't have to worry about downtime. They just send an email saying three o'clock in the morning, it's gonna be not going to be available for half an hour. Well, big deal. I don't have to worry about that. I don't have to worry about membership. All that stuff is done. If I make your life easy, you know, life is too short to learn skills that you don't need to learn. And, you know, if, you, if your passion is 
teaching people about I don't know, for the sake of argument, cooking, then just find the skills that you absolutely have to learn to teach people to cook and let someone else take care of the rest. Absolutely. We could talk about this for hours and we won't. Just go to Teachable, go to Kajabi, go to wherever, sign up for the free or little basic pan, put up a course, let it ride, shoot people to it, invite people to it, have people come take it, Get your feet wet. Learn how to do it. And Um, don't sign up for the most expensive tier. They will tell you that if you're serious about building a business, you've got to sign up for the most expensive tier and get all our free extras as well. Go for the cheapest, lowest price tier. If they offer a free tier, if a platform that does what you need it to do offers a free tier to evaluate it, make full use of that and only start paying when you know there's some income and you have to or, you know, because there's, there's no point in spending, you know, two three hundred dollars a month on on a service when you're only going to be selling one or two fifty dollar courses a month or even fewer and a lot of people do that and there is a little bit of a ponzi scheme about it because you know don't spend loads of money until you know that you've got something that will sell Uh, and then you're, you're minimizing your risk and you're away michael is so correct the the thing is is these people i mean come on people okay another rant coming (laughs) <laughs> one minute. One minute. <laughs> when somebody offers you stuff that helps you for free, like a business or a company, they are expecting you to pay for something eventually. If they didn't, they go out of business. So A, they go out of business and you're screwed because you invested all your time in it. Or B, they're going to come back at you and they're going to try and upsell you. Next point is expect to be upsold. They're upselling you for a good reason. They're saying, we're letting you try our product. And if you don't pay us and we give it for free, we're not here. And you invested all this time to create your university. I'm sorry, we're out of business. Well, that's stupid. You want to pay the service that works for you. So they stay in business. Number two, if they come along and say, hey, we'll offer you free for seven days or 14 days to create your courses in your university and everything else. And then we'll start. That's not enough time. Two weeks is not enough time. Create, post, sell, get people there to see if it's going to work. For the most part, you need like 30 days at a minimum and you're going to have to hurry up or 60 days or 90 days or a free plan. And then you're like, hey, this is working. They're going to charge me making this up $12 a month and I'm making $50 a month to get the next level of tier where I can post high resolution videos. Yeah. And and the other thing is think about timing. You don't need to sign up for a service until you've got a course to post. You know, a lot of people sign up for the service and then they'll start <laughs> making their videos. Uh, that's crazy because you <laughs> what you need to do is to have everything ready to post, then sign up for the service. And <laughs> that's the sensible way to do it. I was it. paying 39 bucks a month originally on the basic plan before they changed it because I wanted to get going. Was it six months or nine months before I had my course ready? Yeah. Money. Yeah. And also, if if you are looking at doing this as a serious, serious way to try and make some money, think of it as a business. And if you were going to start a business, you're going to say, right, how much do I need to invest? And you say, well, how much can I afford to lose if I invest it and it really doesn't work out? Maybe say, okay, over the next couple of years, I might need to invest $500. I, I'll need some software. I might need an upgrade to my a lens or whatever, or I might need a green screen background or something. So actually budget it out and ask yourself, do I have that amount of money available? 
possible. And if the worst thing happens and I don't make any money at it before I kind of run out of money, how upset would I be if I wrote this off? And you need to think like a business person because you are creating a business. It might be a, a small mum and pop business initially. It might never get beyond that or it might really grow. You know, some people have built courses and they are making seriously large amounts of money. But most course makers are not making a huge amount of money. They're supplementing other income streams. The package of different online businesses that we are creating, our courses, our YouTube, other bits and pieces, are enough to keep us, keep the lights on and, and to keep us in a way that we're we're happy with. Yep. I personally would like to grow mine a bit more, but I also know, logic, you know, if I'm realistic and, and not too greedy about it, I don't need to grow it very much more to be very satisfied with that level. And you've got to also understand what is your level. I want to 10x everything I'm doing. My YouTube channel, which I can do, the university, which I can do, my affiliate links, affiliate <laughs> link below. Hello. <laughs> That's a joke. Yeah, marketing is to sell something you've got to reach people. And funnily enough, I started my YouTube channel, uh, the Online PM Courses YouTube channel, as a way of marketing my online PM courses training. It was just one of a number of marketing channels. But it, at some point, I realized that it was growing and I was making some decent ad revenue from it. And I, it occurred to me that rather than focus on the courses and make some videos in the hope to sell courses, I'd focus on the YouTube channel and then use the courses as a way of monetizing the YouTube channel. So I've kind of pivoted my view uh, 180 degrees. But if you are going to sell particularly video courses and particularly courses that are based around you and who you are and your expertise and your to an extent personality, YouTube is the perfect platform to market from because people can really evaluate you. They can hear your tone of voice, your style, your personality, and you can demonstrate your knowledge and expertise. So YouTube is a brilliant way to market a knowledge based product like a course or a book or the sort of resources that people might need, like checklists, uh, things like that, because you, you've got a way of talking to people, building a rapport with your audience and letting them evaluate how you describe the things you talk about and teach. So I think YouTube is the perfect marketing channel. The next thing I think is quite useful is to think about affiliates. And if you, it's very difficult to do affiliates if you don't have a platform that manages affiliates for you. I mean, there are platforms that just do affiliates that you can bolt onto other ways of doing things. Teachable, as an example, has a, an affiliate module built in. And the great thing about affiliates is they are motivated to go and sell your stuff to their contacts, but they will only be motivated if they get enough rewards. So people who are, you know, if you're Amazon, you can offer 5% because your products are low margin, high volume, and you don't need the affiliates massively. I offer my affiliates 50% of the income and it's 50% of the headline income. So if you as a customer of mine pay $100, my affiliate gets 50 and then all the costs, the transaction fees, the, the PayPal fees, the credit card fees, the margin that Teachable makes all come out of my 50%. But I do that because I kind of experimented with advertising on Facebook and it's expensive and it's hit and miss. So if with a good affiliate, if you incentivize them to work well, they will try and sell it. But do not get into, do not make the mistake, I would say, of putting your carefully crafted high integrity course onto one of these affiliate platforms where affiliates will sign up to sell your stuff because their incentive is to sell as much as possible, as quickly as possible. And they will 
have no compunction about making promises that you can't keep. So I invited affiliates in my own niche, competitors, if you like, but other project managers who are out there and have a platform. Some of them do sell my product and make good money on every sale. And I also have on my website an invitation to become an affiliate, but I would say I have turned down more applications than I've accepted because I want people who are going to be capable of selling well, uh, you know, with integrity uh, and putting things across. So affiliates is a is a great way to sell. I'm not a big fan of social media. I, I don't use Twitter well. I don't use Facebook well. Uh, I don't even use LinkedIn well, though that is my primary social medium after YouTube. And when I, by, by not using them well, I mean, think about the words, or the words social media. To make them work well, you have to treat them as a social exchange. You have to engage with people personally. I, I haven't got the time or the inclination to do that. If I could hire someone to do it, I would do it. As far as affiliates, I have some affiliates. I pay affiliates 40%. If someone drives someone to my university for a free course, and within 365 days, they sign up for something, they get 40%. Now, one would think, woohoo, that's not how it works, because I don't caper, talk to my affiliates. I don't push them. I don't ask them to do stuff. I've made maybe five or 10 affiliates. I need someone who's really knows marketing, who's honest, who I trust, not to say, hey, come take the YouTube course. You'll make a million dollars. I also don't trust someone. I'm not saying they are trustworthy people. I yet have to move into that range of having someone else speak for me. It's not that you've <laughs> been watching this whole time. I'm not the greatest speaker in the world, but to mouthpiece for me. Like, hey, you could take the course, take the course, take the course, take the course, take the course. Like, stop it. You're spamming people. Stop. But how am I going to make money? Is it I need someone with some logic and brains and that makes sense. They're vested. They like the course. They're willing to promote it. And most affiliate people who sign up for me go, I'm going to sign up for an affiliate. Cool. And now I'm going to promote all this stuff. And oh, yeah, I need to take out the trash and I need to go to work. And being an affiliate is work. It takes time. It takes planning. Social media subject before we get into the Q&A. For me, I have a Twitter disease. I love to get on Twitter. I spend way too much time on there. And it's because my other creator friends, many of you are in here. That's where I hang out. That's where mm. I'm with fellow people. That's where I post stuff. And I don't use it as a marketing tool because I don't think it goes over well. Facebook, I have the university page. I'm not a Facebook guy. I don't take out ads. I, I just suck at it. And one day I'm going to find someone to do that. At this point, I have such limited bandwidth. If I took that over, everything else would fail. So as far as promotions and social media, I know what I need to do and how it should be done. I just have never found anybody vested enough to jump into that game and do it. To wit, the reason why I'm saying all this is not that you can't do that, but if you're going to depend on affiliates, much like if you make it, they will come to sell your courses for you. You may be in for great disappointment. <laughs> And it's another thing that you're going to have to spend time on and figure it out. Sales and marketing. I guarantee you if I had someone who did sales and marketing, I could 100x what I'm doing. I haven't found that person. And frankly, I'm not willing to take the time to train them what I want to do. So there you go. Hey, we're at the Q&A portion. There are some questions in here. Good. I'm going to go through here or statements. Use whatever you have as a camera. If it was made in the last six years, you will get away with enough lighting, any lighting, natural, artificial. Gear is not your problem. Unless, you're, not unless your problem. you're living in the 1990s, your phone will probably be perfectly sufficient for making. If you're still using a Motorola 
flip phone? Yeah, that's Maybe. the problem. Yeah. I know, I don't know personally, but I know of at least a thousand other course creators who make over $10,000 a month and they sit there with their phone and go blah, 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 or they sit here and they put slides up and go blah, 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 and they're their crappy computer and they make between five and $10,000 a month going mm. Blah, blah, blah. I'm not saying I like it. I'm not saying I agree with it. I'm just saying it's out there. Like YouTube, like starting becoming affiliate, like making courses or online offerings or Zoom sessions. If you don't start, you don't persist, you got nothing. Corollary, don't bitch. Well, I started a YouTube channel and it didn't work. You weren't persistent. You didn't hang in there. You didn't post content. Well, I put up an affiliate link for it. It didn't work. Well, I applied to Amazon and they denied me. I guess I'm not going to be an affiliate. This is not persistence on a given course. I've been doing this YouTube crap. Is it seven or eight years now? I got 125,000 subscribers or more than that now. Woo! Eight years. Yeah. There are people who started last year that have 50,000. <laughs> Little bastards. I'm joking. I will admit I am very closed about my university, the members. I'm overprotective. My viewers, if I wasn't and I was treating this strictly as a business, which I don't, which is my game, I would go hire a marketing company and say, this is what I'm paying you. This is what I expect. This is the sales I expect. Here's a percentage I'm paying for you. Go. I would go hire someone to do my video editing, someone to do my thumbnails, and I would create content like this. And you'd be seeing three or four or five videos every week. It would push people over to the university, and I'd easily be making 25 grand a month. Well, you should do that, Kev. I don't want to. And that's it. You've got to decide what is your end game. What do you actually, what matters to you, and design around that. Frankly, if you want to get rich quick, you know, very rich very quickly. This isn't the route, uh, or at least not if you're going to do it with high integrity. You are going to need to compromise on something, and and your morals is going to be one of those things. But if you, you know, if you if you have integrity and you can be happy with a, a business where you work at it and you get rewards that are consistent with the effort you put in, then it's worth considering. I do this because I love doing it. I love helping people. I love people, and I love helping them. That's number one. Number two is I love interacting, engaging, and I love that people learn something. Number three is I can do it and I can make some money at it. Mm -hmm. I could easily flip it the other way around. For me, this is a personal thing. I'm not saying go there or don't go there. I would not enjoy what I'm doing because I'm going after the money. Mm -hmm. It's just a personal thing. I feel you on the marketing, Kevin. Owned and operated an office equipment company for 30 years. As a tech, I hated it, but learned an awful lot over the years, but still mm -hmm. hated it. Yeah, it sucks. When you hate what you're doing. Now, we could go real basic and say, you could wake up every morning and just change your mind about that. So my suggestion is start now. You have nothing to lose. Yeah, I think so. I, the challenge, you know, one of the things I, I train people in is personal time management. And it is certainly true that if you try to multitask, you will fail at everything. So it's not about multitasking. It's about at the start of your journey of building a YouTube channel and building some course infrastructure to sell, you should be starting to think about, okay, what are the stages I'm going to be going through and where do I want to be? So you might say, well, I'm going to focus the first year on building uh, a YouTube channel, understanding how it works, creating a cadence, getting good at it. But during that, I'm going to put a little bit of time into perhaps building a website or perhaps building a first course, something very simple. Have a strategy and dedicate an amount of time. Don't try and multitask, segment that time to do something and to build out 
the infrastructure of what's going to be coming. I very deliberately have a, a minimum of a full day, but usually two, three days, sometimes a whole week, depending on where I am. If every December where I think about what's coming up next year, now that's as a full-time business person, but you should allow a t- period of time each year to think about the strategy. What's coming up next year? And what do I what do I want to achieve? Where do I want to focus my effort? And what is the balance of effort I want to put into different things? You need a balanced portfolio of activities in everything you do. And I would agree with Kevin, if you are not, even in the early days, starting to think about how you're going to take the following that you're growing and learn how to serve them via email, how you're going to find out from that those people what it is they want to learn so that you, you've got the option of delivering a service to them, either a, a course or perhaps, uh, you know, if we're, if we're talking about retro tech, perhaps offer them perhaps a, a tool t- uh, some tool tips or tool guide or a safety guide, something that is of use to them. Think about an early stage thing that you can give away that will encourage people to exchange that benefit for their email address so that you can then come back to them and make them an offer later. You've got to build that strategy in from the early days because what will happen is if your YouTube channel grows massively, you've then got a beast to feed and you don't know how to serve those people any other way. And then you're going to be making your mistakes and doing doing your learning and making your mistakes, which is how we do our learning. But you'll be doing that with a large group of people who have come to start to trust you and you might squander some of that trust. Mm-hmm. Whereas if you're doing your learning with the early stay, early adopters, they will they will stay with you. But frankly, it is a numbers game. And if you lose some of them because you don't get it right early on, then you're only losing a few people and you're not squandering a reputation. So think in terms of segmenting your time, whatever time you've got available, whether you've got five full days a week, as I have to my online business, mostly most of five full days a week, or whether you are working full time and you've only got two or three evenings a week. Ask yourself, how are you going to use that time to get to where you want to get to. And I'm assuming now that you are not thinking about YouTube as purely a hobby, which for some people it is, and that's entirely fine. Google creates that platform and you can use it as a hobby. If you want to grow beyond that and and monetize that hobby, then be thinking about it from the early days. Even if your strategy is to wait to not do anything about, about it for six months, that's a strategy and you can feel good about that. Don't get so focused on 50 other things, trying to do them all at the same time, but you never get anything done. I mean, use some logic here. If I apply, as Michael was saying, if I apply some time to this, and I apply some time to making videos, which I love, and I balance those, and I learn how to balance doing equals learning, then I'll eventually figure it out and go, oh, that makes sense. Yeah. One other thing I want to add to Ravenwolf's point about saying that he needs to build an audience and credibility before thinking about a course. Firstly, if you get to the point where you've built credibility, that's the point where you can start selling something, but you haven't built your course, so you haven't got anything to sell. Secondly, don't underestimate the fact that having a course itself will contribute to your credibility. I, for a large part of my life, I'm a kind of, you know, academic-y sort. I always wanted to write books. And the reality is that writing books for mainstream publishers is not very lucrative. <laughs> I mean, you can, you can earn some money. I'm not saying you can't. And and if I look at the total amount I've earned from the 14 books, it's it's a good chunk of 
money. But if I compare that to the amount of time I spent writing those books, it's a pretty poor rate of pay. However, in terms of credibility, when I when I went to see people about possibly speaking at a conference, instead of giving them my business card, I gave them a copy of a book and that had gave me a lot of credibility to potential speaker. But it also changed the conversation about the rate that I was getting paid. So having a product of quality to show people even if you give it away in the early days, it really does build credibility. So, you know, Raven Wolf, it, it is worth thinking about credibility, where it comes from. It doesn't just come from the stuff you give away. It comes from the fact that you've invested the time and created something of real value in the world. The production of things that are of value is what gives you credibility in. No blah, 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 blah in the world unless you're selling snake oil is going to give you that credibility. And I get it. I mean, Raven Wolf. I know this guy. He's got a channel. It takes him a long time to make his videos because they're really involved. I mean, I'm being stupid, but Raven Wolf, here's a free course with six or seven lectures on how you solder. Yeah. I don't know how to solder. I don't know how to, is this a good soldering iron? And like, I'm going to put two things, like how much heat do I put together? And do I wrap them or not wrap them? Or is too much what, heat burn the wire? What sort of solder to use? And What solder to use? And do I take it off? And do I clean it first? And what's this paste? Like you could do a short series of three minute videos, six lectures, whatever, give it away for free on here's a short course on soldering i don't know how to solder yeah exchange that for an email and you're done you've got and you're done you've got a list of people who you know are interested in soldering soldering yeah there's an l in it so it's soldering soldering yeah wow it is spelled s-o-l-d is in the states it's spelled s-o-l-d soldering yeah i learned yeah. something about yeah i know i know americans say soldering but soldering in well that's that's rude <laughs> A solder what? is a solder is a rude a solder? word. Solder calling someone a solder in the UK is a rude word. Oh, so if you say someone's a solder, it's bad. Yeah. Oh, wow, that took a turn. Um, <laughs> solder. Now, anyway, now see, let's move on. To, let's move on to another question. <laughs> is it feasible to have the online course, but taking the test in person, at least for you to give the okay? Oh. I think oh, so. Oh, so te courses that have a, a a test, particularly accredited courses, that's a whole level more complication. While Kevin's looking for that, I'll just say that you know if you are if you are going to create a course where people need to take a test, then you've got another level of complexity in terms of serving that course and and the technology you need. And for tests in person, you probably need to engage with a proctoring company that will administer that either live or these days online you can there are proctoring companies like pearson view who will administer online training but that along uh, exams and stuff but that's a whole level more complexity that's, than i've got experience of that answers captain jack's previous question probably going to mess this up but he was talking about people being able to be accredited and taking online blah 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 that's a whole new level yeah you can certainly that's do funny. online courses that deliver content to support accreditations and depending on who's the accreditor is you might be able to pay uh, a certain fee to be recognized by them as offering accredited training yeah there's a that that's going to take a lot more investment in my realm the pmi project management institute US trade body for project managers and membership organization. They they charge a a heck of a lot of money for their authorized training providers to provide 
accredited training for their uh, certification courses. I very deliberately chose not to try to offer that. I offer project management training, which will support people who want to get various accreditations, but it's not tailored to those accreditations. If you want to go that route, and I guess if you're teaching people to if it's Captain Jack and you want to teach people skills around sailing and handling vessels, then we're not only talking about a skill that is that needs a high level of certification, but it's got to be highly regulated because people live or die by the skills of the, the mariners in charge. And therefore, you'd expect to have high standards applying to the, the barrier to entry of providing course on that. If Kevin gets it wrong with his colour course and someone puts a YouTube video up where people's faces are green, it's going to be a matter of laughing. If someone gets their Master Mariner course wrong, uh, then the consequences are not worth thinking about. On a side note, there are a ton of these when creating courses. We've talked about some of these. I'm part of these online groups, people, instructors. There are thousands of these people. Well, I'm not sure people are actually taking the full course. Is there a way I can ensure they're going through every video? Well, can I offer a certificate every one? Is there some way I can track these? And they get super into what I call the mechanical details of, well, people aren't watching all my videos all the way through. Is there some way I can force them to do that? Let me say this, because you've heard me say this a million times about videos on YouTubes. I'll say it about courses just make courses just make the courses you don't give a shit are they good are they bad unless you're already known you don't care obviously you're going to try the mess the best course you can just make the course yeah. put it out there yeah. and then make another one and put it out there just like youtube eventually you're going to have 20 courses and those five that you started with three years ago Nobody cares, but you learned a lot. The lovely thing about this is you set your standards, but the advice that both Kevin and I would give is be realistic about the standards that you should be setting at the beginning. You know, as long as the content has integrity, then the, the presentation, the facts, people will put up with some pretty shoddy video technique, as long as they can hear it, frankly, uh, and the content has integrity, that's what matters. Don't let anything go out that you know gives wrong advice but, uh, you know, if I were putting this video out, I would say, oh, my God, I've done Kevin's color correction course. Look at the color of my face on this. The fact is, I don't have the tools to make it better. But I hope that the fact that my face looks pink uh, and and slightly fish-eyed, because uh, I don't know, should, I'm a bit thinner in real life. Um, you know, hopefully that doesn't invalidate the, the quality of my advice. It's just the quality of my advice that invalidates that. Go find some course on achieving self-improvement through mental, I can't say that word, <laughs> stuff. <laughs> and go watch a few free previews. They're awful. The sound is terrible. They're sitting in their kitchen or living room. Sounds bouncing off the walls. The color is off and they're just blah, 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 blah. And people are paying thousands of dollars for this course. So it isn't their content because I've looked at these and they it's terrible that they offer something to a particular audience. And that particular audience makes a connection with that person. And that audience pays that person some money. And there you go. Jake Sloan. Someday, Kevin, someday. I really hope we can meet at NAB this year or something like that. I hope we can meet at NAB, dude. Totally. Um, I think we're out of stuff here, Michael. Okay. Unless somebody's got more questions. Hey, I appreciate 
y'all coming and joining. This was a lot to pack in here. I hope y'all even got some thoughts going or you learned something or at least you had some fun or it's not for everybody. YouTube isn't for everybody. Businesses aren't for everybody. Some people work for other people starting their own businesses. Thank God you work for other people or we'd kind of be screwed. And I'll let you give your takeaway, Mike Clayton, the doctor. If you're looking at providing information that other people don't know, recognize that you have things that other people don't know. You can make an offering, PDFs, horse saddles, how to play a piano or a bass at whatever level you're at, how to solder things together or do retro tech, roasting coffee, it doesn't matter. There's a huge population out there that doesn't know what you know currently, and they'll do it. And if you're into doing that and you wanna do that, or you wanna expand to that now in the future, go for it and don't let anything stop you. So for me, I think, uh, well, first thing is I'm gonna say, actually don't do it unless you really want to. But for mm. me, the reason for doing it, the reason why I do it, yes, I need to earn money. But what I what I found that I really like about it is it is creative. At the end of the day, if I'm building a course, if I'm even if I'm doing thumbnails for YouTube videos, at the end of the day, I have created something that wasn't there at the beginning. And for me, I'm not you know, the artistic -y kind of creative -y sort. I'm not, you know, I'm, yeah. I, I can write books, but I'm never going to write novels. I'm never going to do poetry. It's just arranging information in a new format to make it easier for people to assimilate and understand. But at the end of a day's work, I have created something. I've created something that will help people or will help get something that will help people to them. And if that appeals to you, particularly if you're in a in a job or have a life where you don't feel you're creating enough, this is a route to being creative, to using what you know to to make something and bring something into the world that is of value to other people. And and that's what I enjoy it. I believe as human beings, one thing that I think is true is that our superpower as human beings is we can create things. Go do more of it. And don't let anybody dissuade you otherwise. Um, thank you for joining me next week. I'm stacking these up. I have Dave Andrade, who is a professional, really knows his stuff about color correction and color grading. And he's going to answer all your questions the week after that. I'm going to have Jake Sloan on. He's going to answer all your, <laughs> I'm not answering your questions about the, uh, He's going to do most of the talk and he's going to answer your questions about drones. Anyway, I appreciate y'all for joining us and I hope you learned something. I hope you got something out of this. Mr. Clayton, thank you again. I've enjoyed it. Much. It's been great. Have a great day.